I'm Donovan Kane. Welcome back to the podcast and this full-length audiobook presentation of Red Sin, book number one of the Sin series, written by New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal best-selling author Aletha Romig, and read to you by Samantha Prescott and Stephen Dexter. And now, episode 10 of Red Sin. Chapter 10. Van. Continuing up the staircase, I gripped the banister as we came to the second-story landing, and I peered down to the first floor. Visions from the past floated past my mind's eye. They were recollections I'd successfully kept buried for years, memories I forbade myself from reliving while keeping them close enough to serve as a warning for my future. It was impulsive of me to propose to Julia. The phone in my breast pocket was receiving one voicemail message after another from my legal counsel, as well as others who knew me, all in the name of stopping me from making a mistake. Another mistake. Waking beside Julia in the cabin was surreal. How long has it been since I've spent the night, the entire night, with a woman? A decade? More than that. Over a decade, not that I consciously kept count. That didn't mean I was celibate. It meant that I didn't open myself up for what came after sex. I peered down at the first floor again. The structure around me had changed, but the memory was right there, close enough that if I ran down the flight of stairs, I could stop. Van, Julia asked, her voice scattering my thoughts. Are you all right? I shook my head, dispersing the accumulated clutter that builds with time, knocking down the cobwebs veiling the memories, and dislodging the dust that dulled the colors until red was no longer deep and flowing. I feigned a smile. It's been a long time since I've escorted anyone new around my house. Julia's blue eyes glowed as she peered over the banister and up to the third level. What's up there? Nothing, really. You have an entire floor for nothing? It wasn't nothing. At one time, it had been everything. With over 10,000 square feet, there's a lot of room for nothing. How many bedroom suites? She asked. Five, all on this level, I added. Julia's head shook. Why so much space? Because it's never enough. Her smile dimmed. It wasn't a radical change in her beautiful expression, but I saw the way the light in her eyes faded. Is that the title of your memoir, Never Enough? I think that one is taken. Every title is taken. When we add the byline, Memoir of Donovan Sherman, it will be unique. She looked down the multiple hallways. From the landing, there were three options that didn't include up or down. To the far left was the hallway leading to my suite. In the center, two more suites could be reached, and to the far right, another two, including the one I had in mind for Julia. When I purchased the house, I had it gutted, expanded, and redone, I said. Suites seemed to be the thing to build. My architect believed that should I decide to sell, the suites would increase its value, making it a viable bed and breakfast. I'm not interested in selling. I reached for her hand. 
As we touched one another, I immediately regretted my move and let our connection drop. Even so, the tingle remained. Red sin. This way, I said, leading the way to the south wing, my thoughts filled with the woman at my side. From the first time I saw Julia standing half-frozen along the road, I was pulled toward her. In all honesty, it happened before I saw her. It was as I found her car. Never in my life had I been called a hero, nor did I deserve that title. Never did I seek out the stranded or misguided to lead them to the straight and narrow path of goodness and safety. My motives were usually more self-gratifying and less altruistic. And yet, seeing the empty car buried in the snowbank, I felt an unexplainable urgency to search. With worsening conditions, when a sane man would have driven to the safety of his home, I slowed my speed and peeled my eyes through the darkening sky and blinding blizzard. I didn't know her name, nor did she know mine, and yet once she was in my arms and I laid her down in my truck, I wanted to keep her. A saying from my childhood came to mind, finders keepers. I found her. Julia was mine, and I wasn't going to let her go. Over the last eleven years, I'd reined in that all-consuming desire. I'd refocused my needs away from the unthinkable to the goal of obtaining things. It didn't matter what, I wanted it and took it. I'd concentrated day and night on what I did well and made what I did better, more profitable, superior, and grander than before. As I pushed to succeed, the name Sherman, one that was barely known or recognized, became equated with power and savvy in the world of high finance. Fifty million dollar deals became one hundred million. One hundred million became one billion. I moved up and over those blocking my path toward success. I made enemies. Some enemies became friends. Others remain embroiled in their adversarial role. Or perhaps it was me who was the adversary. It's the way I preferred to see it, on the offensive, the predator ready to attack. In general, I kept my distance, always appearing as the facade of the man society required me to be. The cloak of normality grew heavy at times, too heavy to maintain. This home became my retreat, my place away from the world, a place where I could safely examine and overcome those things that needed to stay hidden. It wasn't because bringing light to that darkness would endanger my career, although it would. It was because to succeed in this world, one must be the lion appearing as the gazelle quick and sure-footed, aware of one's surroundings, and gentle enough to approach. Is that the way Julia sees me? Safe to approach? I wasn't. Am I simply luring her closer for the kill? I didn't know. This was unfamiliar territory. My senses were on alert. Everything about her stimulated them, the perfection of her beauty, the scent of her perfume, the energy in her touch, the melody of her voice, and the memory of her taste. Will having her present alter my mission for better and more, or will I find that drive also applies to Julia? 
My need to succeed was my reason to wake each morning. I required that incentive to move beyond the darkness. This house provided my solitude and a place where I could allow myself to slip into the shadows. That was why Julia should also rescind her decision to accept my offer. She should move to the guest house or back to Chicago. My home was a bubble where I kept the memories that mattered without any outward sign of those people, places, or things having ever existed. It was also secluded. I'd orchestrated that on purpose by buying five and ten-acre lots and demolishing most structures. It was easier to keep urges suppressed when there wasn't another soul for miles. I wasn't a hermit. I interacted with people at the office, in meetings here in northern Wisconsin, around the country, and around the world. I traveled and played nice, always with the plan to make it back here, to face my demons alone. Few people entered my bubble, though I did have help. Mrs. Mayhand, a widowed woman I'd known for a long time, came to the house once a week while I wasn't home and filled my refrigerator and freezer with a week's worth of easy-to-warm meals. Her daughter, Margaret Curry, drove Mrs. Mayhand, and while her mother cooked, Margaret cleaned the unlocked rooms. Jonathan, Margaret's husband, cared for the landscaping near the house. This time of year, that meant he plowed my lane and driveway. During the spring, summer, and autumn, he tended to the lawns and other landscaping. Farther away, beyond the main house and the nearby structures, the surrounding acres were left to nature. If a tree fell, it remained a habitat to house chipmunks, mice, snakes, and insects. Pine needles and leaves fell in the autumn and created nutrition for the undergrowth. Saplings sprang to life wherever their roots held them. Wolves, foxes, and deer were some of the more prominent mammals that called my land home. I preferred them to the two-legged kind. There were few people I trusted enough to allow them inside my bubble. As I peered down at Julia by my side, and as we passed the locked door of another suite, I couldn't come up with a reason why I'd chosen to trust her and invite her into a place where so few had been welcome. I didn't know Julia McGrath, and yet, as we briefly touched only moments ago, it was as it had been upon seeing her car, as if a gravitational pull existed between the two of us, two masses in motion lured toward one another. My negative energy was attracted to Julia's positive energy, and, I believed, vice versa. In physics, our speed would increase, drawing us closer, faster and faster until neither of us could slow the progression. Ultimately, we'd collide, the cosmic blast decimating everything within its pull. Julia and I came to a stop at the final door as I turned the doorknob and pushed inward. A smile came to my face as I peered around. When this plan to keep Julia began to take shape in my thoughts, one of the calls I made was to Margaret, asking her to make a special trip to my home to freshen this room. She seemed so surprised that I might have a guest that she assured me she would get it done. I didn't think about the fact that I was asking her to travel up my twisty lane following a snowstorm. Margaret didn't complain. Now, seeing the glistening wood of the tables in the sitting room and the open curtains throughout the suite, I knew she'd done as she promised. 
It's beautiful, Julia said. I walked to the window in the sitting room beyond the fireplace. Pushing the drapery to the side, I stared out at the frozen bay. You can see the bay from here and from the balcony in the bedroom. Julia ran her hand over the leather love seat near the fireplace. This looks new. Not new, just not used. I followed a few steps behind as she went from room to room, stopping at the doorway to the bathroom as she examined the updated amenities, the marble tile and glistening chrome. I also stopped at the entry of the bedroom, watching as she roamed around, peering into the closet and out onto the balcony. Have you changed your mind? I asked, wanting her to say yes and saying a silent prayer to an unknown entity that she'd say no. Julia took a deep breath. As she did, the way her pert breasts pushed against her white blouse and the muscles in her neck strained, creating that sexy V near her collarbone, caught my attention. I scanned lower to where her black slacks accentuated her trim waist. My thoughts went back to the night when I'd undressed her unconscious body. Today, she was a strong and capable woman. That night, she'd been a fragile bird in need of care. That night, it took all my willpower to not peer beneath the bra and panties. In doing so, I'd shown Julia the restraint I'd lacked with others. This beautiful angel deserved better than a man like me. She'd said that she was twenty-four. That made me nearly two decades her senior. And yet, as that night progressed, the unthinkable occurred. Julia came back to life, a vibrant beacon calling to me and inviting me into her orbit. Now that I was here, I didn't want to break free. Contemplating my question, Julia paced, stepping upon the floors and rugs in her high heels as if she were bred to move in a graceful manner. Given what I now know of her family, she had been. Julia McGrath had been placed on this earth to secure her, her family's, and Wade's future. Instead of doing that, she was here in my home with a man capable of destroying her and her family's business. I heard the warning bells. Much like sirens from the lighthouses out upon the Apostle Islands, the ones in my mind were cautioning of the danger that lay ahead. The words were on the tip of my tongue. I would tell her that my offer of a job was rescinded. I would help her find her way back to Ashland and back to Chicago. Before I could voice my thoughts, Julia spoke. I don't want the guest house van. Her smile lit up the bedroom. I want time to think, but being alone in your guest house would be too lonely. This suite is beautiful, and... She added, I'll have company. Maybe you should reconsider the entire offer. I have. I don't know what brought me here, whether it was cosmic irony or what your grandmother called red sin, but I can't deny that I too am interested in both you and this opportunity. Too interested to walk away. I'll contact my parents. After the first of the year, I'll go back to Chicago and find out what's happening with Wade Pharmaceutical. I think that after what I found out about Skyler, I want to stay far away from Chicago beyond the wedding date and let the dust settle. 
Maybe Julia was right with what she said earlier. She was the fly and I was the spider. Or maybe I was right. Julia was the innocent doe, wide-eyed on unsteady knees, and I was the wolf. Either way, she'd just been invited to my web or my den. Given her acceptance, with time she would come to regret her decision. Forty-one years had taught me one thing I couldn't deny. I knew myself. I knew what I was capable of doing. I also knew that I hadn't felt this way around a woman in a long time. Perhaps I was wrong about my doomsday outlook. Maybe time had tamed the beast within me. Over ten years had passed since I'd let the beast win. I had to believe that Julia was different and I could control the man I'd been. This agreement would end up either very good or very bad. Time held the answer. I haven't changed my mind. I'll take the job, she said with a smile. My cold heart didn't know if it should leap with joy or sink with despair. It wasn't easy to have hope when for so long it had been an elusive bitch. And yet, staring down at Julia's blue kaleidoscope within her expressive orbs, I told myself that this relationship would end differently. After all, it had begun differently. Life wasn't a loop, such as the movie Groundhog Day would suggest. This was a new chance. Then it's settled, I said. Welcome. The end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Red Sin, book number one of the Sin series. Written by New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal best-selling author Aletha Romig, and read to you by Samantha Prescott and Stephen Dexter. You can find out more about Aletha Romig and her books at aletharomig.com. Find out more about the show at steamystoriesforwomen.com.